Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and a warm welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. We're recording this the day after the Sheffield United match, so we'll have plenty to dis- discuss and we'll go into that in detail, as well as our um, impressive away win at Leeds United last Saturday. And there might be some other business to discuss as well. As you may have guessed, I'm Andy. I'm I'm not Regan. Um, he's left me at the wheel again today, and I'm really pleased to announce today a new signing for the podcast. After a bit of a, an efficient efficient recruitment um, by Regan, I'm joined tonight by the for, for, for the first time by life, lifelong Villa fanatic Craig. So welcome along, Craig. Nice to nice to have you on. Hello. Would you just like to? <laughs> hey there. Would you just like to introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about your um, your Villa supporting history, really. Yes, and um, Andy. First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm delighted to have been invited. It was like a transfer deadline day deal. We got over the line <laughs> uh, for to get me on the pod from uh, just meeting yesterday, and then uh, to be on here today. Um, in a nutshell, I've been a, a Villa fan um, ever since I was very, very, very young. Um, I went to my first filler game, which I think was uh, my first filler game. I think was Brian Little's first game in charge. And I think it was Sheffield Wednesday one, Aston Villa one with a goal from Ian Taylor. Um, so after yeah, that, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, without aging myself, I've been been around for a little while and um, uh, had a season ticket with my dad and my uncle from probably the age of eight up until I left home at uh, 21 and I follow Villa religiously, probably a little bit too much. Um, and uh, just, you know, despite the uh, result yesterday, we're just having a fantastic season and it's really a good time overall to be a Villa fan. So up the Villa. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And you've got a bit of a, a bit of distance between you and the, you and Villa Park um, living over in the States at the moment as, as you are. Yeah, well, uh, I was, uh, you know, I moved over to uh, the US of A um, with my wife in 2016. So unfortunately, I don't get to go to as many games as um, as, as I would like to. But I watch them all, and you know, obviously, no one's going to games at the moment. So um, it's you know, it's been tough on everyone. But um, the uh, the Premier League, it was actually tricky following Villa when they're in the Championship. But the Premier League over here is absolutely huge. So there is wall-to-wall coverage and I get to watch every single Villa game um, without fail. So it's actually really, really easy to follow Villa in the Premier League over here. Yeah, absolutely. I probably find it easier than than we do when when the um, under normal circumstances because not all the games are televised over here. <laughs> Which yeah, is, uh, which is which is mad, really. Isn't and you it? only need uh, one sports package as well. There's not no BT, Sky, and whatever. It's just all on uh, NBC Sports. You get the lot. So happy days. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. So you you, you know you get to watch all the games, and and uh, I'm sure you've got uh, plenty of 
plenty of opinions on the last couple of games and the season in general. <laughs> yes, um, which you, you'll you'll impart on us over the over the course of the next hour or so, which which will be great. Um, but no, th- thanks for thanks for agreeing to join us, and 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 it'll be great to kind of get to know you and 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 have a good old sort of chat. Hopefully, every week about uh, about what's going on. Um, Definitely, yeah. This this season and and, and in the summer maybe. Um, we are trying to trying to expand things on on the podcast, and um, you know we've had a bit of a, an in out kind of few weeks with 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 different people and um, the, the three of us having different commitments um, and being unable to always always do a show every week, and we are just trying to expand and 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 add some new voices and and make it a little bit more consistent um, for people and and a bit more hopefully a bit more interesting and, and, and enjoyable. So, um, you know, Craig's the first part of that. So we're, we're really happy to have him on board and, and, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, but to, to get on with the, um, the, the football talk, really, um, we'll start with the Leeds game. And, and this took place uh, Saturday evening at Elland Road. Um, we went up there to, to take on Marcello Bielsa's much-hyped team. Um and they they'd given us a right battering at Villa Park really earlier in the campaign, um, and Villa kind of coming off the back of a couple of dodgy performances, um, made some changes for this game with Camber and Ramsey um, coming in to replace Douglas Louise and, and Ross Barkley in the midfield. Uh, Anwar Al Ghazi um, continued to dep- deputise for skipper Jack Grealish, um, and. The Dutch winger wasted no time in giving Villa an early lead. Um, it somehow managed to control um, Watkins' um, shot, which which was going well off target due to his, the the pitch. I think making him slip. Um, before he, he steadied himself, controlled it really well, and, and 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 popped it in with his with his left foot. And it was just the start Villa were hoping for, um, and a reward for a, a really positive opening few minutes. Um, as I say, the pitch probably can can take an assist for the goal. Um, unlikely Watkins shot would have found a El Ghazi um, had it not been for that, and it, it, he might have scored himself. But it was an excellent finish, and I suppose the question is, um, when will Dean Smith and the fan base in general start trusting El Ghazi to produce? He's shown on on numerous occasions over the last three years with the club that he can he can come in and do a job, um, but he's maybe a little bit consistent. Um, you know, why 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 do you think this is? What do you think sort of keeps him from from nailing down a regular place? Well, um, I'm glad you started with Amwell Al Ghazi because I've got a lot of opinions, and I think most people do. I think the first thing to say about Al Ghazi is he probably more than any other player in the Villa squad is an absolute confidence player. I think you can see it in him when he's up for it and he's flying. He's 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 really a good player. You know, he's produced for us on the big stage. We'll never forget the uh you know the the 10 game winning run. We'll never forget El Ghazi's goal in the uh playoff final to bring us to the Premier League and he, he came up with some important goals last season as well. And um I think the thing with El Ghazi is he is very very inconsistent. And I think that people are looking at players like Al Ghazi and Harahan and Trezeguet and they're asking themselves, can these players take Aston Villa to the next level? And 
I think it's a bit harsh with Al Ghazi because I think if you look at his numbers, his numbers last season, I think he scored four, five, six goals in in, in the Premier League, which is which is fine in a struggling side for a winger. I think this season he has as many goals for Aston Villa as Jack Grealish, and that's in eight or nine starts. His numbers, and considering Al Ghazi's a backup winger for Aston Villa, he is the backup. He's not the starter. His numbers have got to be the best for any backup winger in the league, maybe outside of Man City, we probably have Mares as their backup winger. I mean, is there another winger in the league that has better figures, more goals than Al Ghazi in terms of a backup? I've no well, I don't I don't know, but like you say, certainly goals to game ratios and um his general numbers, I I I, I doubt it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you look at the, the teams, uh, you know, what uh, teams around us, Everton, their backup is probably Awobi. He's got nothing like Al Ghazi figures. Arsenal, you know, their starting wingers don't have anything like Al Ghazi's uh, figures. Um, Tottenham, who's who, who's their backup winger? Um, you know, <laughs> it's Lamella, Eric Lamella. Yeah, Does he have Al Ghazi yeah, numbers? Yeah. So, you know, I think the question I would, you know, put to the to the to the Villa fans is what exactly are we expecting from this guy you know for, for a backup player I think he's doing fantastically well and I think that without a run of games in a team we're never going to know you know if, if if he can produce I think he's got the all the all the physical attributes to 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 come with us to the next level if you like but I think the question is and, and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this Andy is does he have the mentality to join us in the next level kind of thing? Well, I think I think it's an interesting question and I've been kind of mulling this over, um, not just around El Ghazi, but, but maybe some others. I mean, I look back on that, that promotion team and that, that team that went on that 10-game run with so much sort of pride and I, I just see them as heroes, all of them, from Jed Steer to Tammy Abraham. And... We're starting to maybe see that as we as we do sort of try to progress higher up the league, that maybe some of these players that we absolutely fell in love with, even dare I say it, someone like John McGinn, might start to hit his ceiling, and and maybe maybe that that is the case. I I'm not sure Al Ghazi has yet. I think he's got an awful lot of ability. Um, I think he's always been been very highly rated, you know, from when he was a, a youngster, and it's about kind of, you know, tapping that 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 ability and bringing out that bit of consistency. But in terms of players like El Ghazi, Traore, Trezeguet, and, and any kind of wide player winger, that it's kind of part of the DNA that they go in and out of form they're a little bit up and down some days they they look unplayable and then other days they can't you know they can't beat a player they can't lay a pass off you know they, they can't cross the ball and it's 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 an interesting debate isn't it and it can go it can go so sort of one way than the other with these types of players but I do think it's a it might be a almost a, a, a bit of a painful couple of years over the next couple of years if we if we do manage to progress towards the top six and the top four which is what the aim is you know how many of these players are going to are going to join us on on that trip I mean kind of Huran's fallen off 
in that regard, hasn't he, this season and, and ended up going out on loan. So I think El, it applies to El Ghazi, but it, you know, and I'm I'm with you. I was at Wembley, and I, you know, it was it was a wonderful occasion, and and seeing him score that goal, it was it was fantastic. And you you do kind of fall in love with players and and teams of of that ilk. But that was a championship team, and um, it's just how how far these these lads can take us, really. And uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I I mean, I don't know what you how you feel about about what I've just said essentially I feel the same way as you I think that um you know that you know there are we are you know the, the the rise of Aston Villa has been meteoric we were you know down in the dumps in the championship two years ago and I think that we all forget that you know we all get carried away with results like yesterday myself included I was gutted with the Sheffield United result and we'll come back on to that later on but we were middling in the championship two years ago. You know, this is just the time Jack Grealish came back and inspired us to a 10-game, an improbable, impossible, you know, club record-breaking 10-game winning run. I mean, that, that stuff just doesn't happen. We got promoted against all odds. We stayed up last season, um, you know, by the skin of our teeth. And now we find ourselves, you know, less than one year later, knocking on the door of Europe. Now, that transition has been so fast that, Players have got left behind already. I think we've seen the lights of Andre Green. We've seen the lights of uh, Samata, uh, Engels, Gilbert, Hurahan, who you've mentioned. Harahan, sorry, to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> and um, and there's going to be more of our favourites. And, and is John McGinn one of them? Is Marvellous Nakamba one of them? Is El Ghazi on the chopping block? Is Trezeguet on the chopping block? You know, probably yes. <laughs> if you want to be a top four club, for sure, not all of them are going to make it. You know, that, that's just the truth. I mean, John McGinn, and we all love John McGinn, and it's almost against the, the, the laws of Villa, of Villa Twitter to even suggest that a criticism of John McGinn. But, you know, if we're looking at him in his form this season, does John McGinn get into any of the top four or top six midfields? I don't think he does. No, possibly not. And... Um you know, given that we've obviously, you know, done a deal and, and brought in Morgan Sanson, who has been described as kind of a very similar type of player to John McGinn, although I don't think I don't think there's a similar type of player to John McGinn in, in all honesty. But you know, is he is he the next the next kind of step up on on McGinn, or can McGinn raise his game again? And 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 you know, and because I mean, I would never write off someone like like McGinn to be honest with you no um, I wouldn't write him off either but um but for sure he has um you know since his injury I think we can I, I don't know I well I I assume most Villa fans would agree he hasn't been quite the same no no absolutely not no he hasn't and and he's had odd odd patches hasn't he and he sometimes he shows that real sort of swashbuckling sort of box-to-box style um but and, I also and, think he's sorry. Go on. Yeah, and some of that is is positional, by the way, because obviously he's been playing in a more withdrawn role. Um, but yesterday, you know, the onus was on him. You know, John McGinn was playing in his his favorite position as a number eight, and we're going to get on to yesterday. And um, you know, he's one of the one of the leaders in the team. He's one of the the the, the players Dean Smith's looking for to 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 push the game and and make a difference. And he's um, 
he hasn't done it ultimately, has he? No. And against um, a team where he would, you know, many would say was a, you know, probably a championship quality midfield. Um, he's he's not he's not really been able to impose himself on that on that midfield in his like you say in his favoured position. You know, he, unquestionably, he's been playing in a deeper in a deeper position for for a lot of the time this season, um, mainly to allow kind of Ross Barkley and Jack, Jack Grealish to play to play play higher up. Um, but but undoubtedly, like you say, he was he was certainly pushed pushed on, you know, in, in a more in a more comfortable position yesterday, and 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 you know, you know, just didn't. I mean, he he was he's always full of energy. He's always full of effort. He was unlucky, perhaps, not to score early on. There is a um, speaking of John McGinn. There is, and not to plug another uh, podcast, but there's a Tifo Football do a, a, a wonderful YouTube series, and they did one on John McGinn maybe last year or the year before, and it was called um, John McGinn, a statistical unicorn. And it talks all about him being, you know, a unicorn. There's no one quite like him, as as you say, and as and as also and um, and. I think that Begin has got certainly has got enough to kick on to the next level, but I don't think he's showing enough of that right now. And I think that's fair. That doesn't mean he's terrible or we hate him or he's, you know, <laughs> needs to be sold or anything like that. I, you know, I love John McGinn and I, I, I think that he's got the ability to come with us. But I do think that it's fair to say he needs to show more, particularly in games like yesterday where, you know, you're the senior player. Every, you know, we're looking at you, John, to, to, to push push us forward here and, he, and, he, and he's not done it. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's right. And I think we'll, we'll see how it develops over, over the season, really, and how, um, you know, how tempting it might come, become for Smith to, to change John McGinn out the side and, you know, look at look at players like um, Sanson, obviously, but Ramsey's, you know, pushing for a regular start, and and also even guys like you know Chukwemeka in the in in the in the youth team, maybe, you know, who who might come into the picture. Although that's probably a long shot before the end of the season. But you know, it was um, reason reasonably kind of end to end first half. We'll get if we get back to the the Leeds match. Um, you know, lots of uh, attacking play from Leeds. Although it was it was it was back and forth. Martinez made a, a really good save from Rafinha. Um, although it's probably to be expected these days that he, he makes that type of save. Um, and we we sort of kept them at arm's length. Um, at the other end, sort of Al Ghazi was our main threat, really linking up well with with Watkins. You know, and he had a few sort of um, long range longer range opportunities. Um, you know, it was a, it was a, it was an encouraging half. Um, probably particularly from a mid midfield perspective, which obviously you know goes back to what we were, what we were just talking about. Um, and I think in particular, marvelous Nakamba, who who had, who had who had come in um, to protect the back four as much as anything, particularly with with Leeds sort of, you know, very, very attacking style of play. I think it was an ideal game for Marvellous to come in. Um, Villa, up to this point, we're, 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 um, we're yet to concede a goal um, with, with Marvellous or, or lose a game with with him in the side. Um, 
but obviously Douglas Louise will be will be knocking on the door. How do you see that little battle going forward between Dougie and and, and Marvelous for that that number six role? Well, I think the um, the big question there is is Douglas Louise returning to Man City in the summer? Um, it, assuming he's not. Assuming that Dougie and Marvellous are, are both with us at the beginning of next season, I think, and, and for the rest of this season, I think, you know, Dean Smith came out with an interesting quote after the Leeds game, which was horses for courses. And Marvellous was the horse for that particular course. I think that Marvellous should always play against any kind of um, team such as Leeds, any high intensity. And, and Marvellous was also excellent against Arsenal, by the way. Um, I think any time we're not going to have the majority of the ball, um, so that's going to be, you know, against the, the bigger teams and, and also against teams like uh, uh, Brighton even and teams like um, Leeds, as we saw at the weekend, who are going to keep hold of the ball the whole time. Marvellous is your man because he is he's instinctive. Uh, you know, he sniffs out danger. He knows where to be. He's a, he's a natural defensive midfielder. But what he's not is a progressive, or what he's not, is an excellent progressive passer of football. That's where Douglas Louise comes in. And I think that that is where Douglas Louise, like a game like yesterday where there's time and, and, and space and we need to make the play. Yesterday certainly was a game for Douglas Louise, but Leeds wasn't. So it, to, to answer your question um, more succinctly, I think Marvellous should always play when we're going to be really up against it and Douglas should always play when we are you know going to be on top yeah i think i think that's seems to be the, the the way it might go and i think maybe up until this point perhaps um and based very much on last season maybe dean smith almost didn't trust marvelous to to just sit in there and do that job um he he looks a better player this season he looks a more controlled um sort of steady influence on that midfield uh, this season and in just a, a similar way that, that that Douglas Louise improved sort of very much after lockdown really after the restart um Douglas Louise really really kicked on I think marvelous has has really kind of shown this season in the in the few games that he's had what, what he can do and maybe up until this point there just hasn't really been Maybe that that little bit of trust there, or or Smith hasn't felt that he's he's really ready for it, um, but he certainly does, you know, look ready for it. I mean, you know, again, we'll we'll discuss Sheffield United, you know, in a few minutes, but um, he he certainly has 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 more of a, a steadying influence on that midfield and a, and a protective influence um, in front of the back four, and I think like you say there'll be certain games a little bit like in the championship when Smith used to sw- switch between Glenn Whelan and, and Conor Hurahan um, maybe it might might end up being a similar similar scenario with with Nakamba and, and Louise maybe well I think I think so and I also think there is an argument and, and, and lots of people have made this argument so I'm certainly not the first one that Douglas Louise is really you know more of a number eight than a number six I just think he's so talented. And Douglas Louise, by the way, I think he's going to go to the very, very top, hopefully in an Aston Villa shirt. Uh, but if not, Douglas Louise is a player I can see in five or six years playing for anyone he likes. And I'm talking about the Real Madrids, the Barcelonas, the Bayern Munich. I think this kid will be that good. And hopefully, you know, he can do that with Villa. 
But, um, you know, I think people forget with, with Dougie, you know, he's still only, what is he, 22, 23 maybe, a push. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only really in his, you know, halfway through his second full season in, in, in English football. And um, it's okay that he's he's fallen out of form and, you know, he's needed a little rest here or there and Marvellous comes in. You know, there's no shame in that. I think that, you know, Douglas Louise, you know, <laughs> we don't need to worry about Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise is going to be just fine. But for Aston Villa... There are going to be games where probably Marvellous is, is, is better, better suited and maybe games where they, even they play together, you know, to make it even more solid. Um, but that would mean dropping McGinn. And as we know, Dean Smith does not drop John McGinn. No, he doesn't. Not yet anyway. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how the season goes. I think there's an awful lot of pressure in that in those, those midfield positions as we've, as we've discussed. Um, I mean, the, the, the game second half kind of... Um, Continued in, in in much the same vein um, at Leeds, um, although Villa, you know, with Smith um, citing the the awful pitch conditions, um, did drop a little bit deeper. Um, I mean, Leeds didn't look anything like the side that they've been they've been hyped, and that they certainly have had a had a positive um, a positive first season, I think, in the in the Premier League under under Bielsa. But they, they they didn't look particularly cohesive at all, and Villa really went there and destroyed them, uh, destroyed their play, I should say. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I think that Dean Smith got his tactics for that one spot on. Um, you know, Villa employed a real high press in the beginning, putting pressure on uh, Leeds's uh, centre halves. They 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 went for the early goal, got the early goal, and then they they shut up shop. And it was a beautiful thing to see because that's not something we've associated, you know, with with a Dean Smith team, you know. No, and I was I was going to sort of ask you about that because obviously, very much earlier in the season, people have been talking about how and commenting on how Villa have been so good to watch, so attacking, um, quite flamboyant in their play, um, and scoring goals. Um, but just of late, um, and, and we, you know, over here we had um, Jamie Carragher on on Sky Sports, you know, highlighting, you know, Aston Villa's defence and, and and how how organised it is and how 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 solid, um, in particular, Konza has, but also Mings has, has been, and we've seen the the development of Matt Target and and Matt Cash in those in those wide positions. Um, but I just wondered because I think it's really good that Dean Smith is developing different strings to his bow. He's kind of learning all the time, and I think we saw after the restart that he completely changed the way Villa approached games and the way we defended. And now it's almost like he can he can kind of switch that on and off to some degree. Um, but how do you feel about you know having a having a team that can potent that would potentially just sit deep and, and block out and and, def- and defend as opposed to a, a classic Dean Smith team that would be looking to create lots of chances and score goals. Well, I think that I I actually saw the uh, Jamie Jamie Carragher thing because it was it was twen- trending, so I so I looked it up and, and found it, and I think he made a great point, which I'll echo here. Last year, Villa were playing basketball, and we were we didn't have the players to play basketball with the with with the other teams and we played basketball with Leeds earlier in the season and Leeds are just better at basketball than we are and they gave us a sound beating so I think the fact that uh, Dean Smith 
was able to be pragmatic this time and to say, okay, we cannot go hell for leather with Leeds because they're just gonna they're just fitter than we are and they they they're just better at it. The fact that he was able to completely nullify one of the best kind of attacking forces in the in in the league in Rafinha and and and, and Leeds in general, I think is a very good thing because you unless you're Man City you know not even Liverpool or Man United unless you're Man City in this Premier League you are going to have to adapt your game for different types of opponent and the fact that Villa are able to do that now I think is definitely a positive thing because it means that we can pick up points that we wouldn't ordinarily pick up and moving forward it also augurs well for our ability to compete for European places and continue pushing up the league because we need to be able to adapt to you know the different challenges that the Premier League presents. And none of those challenges are more unique than Leeds and their kind of crazy uh, sprinting. I, I describe them as a bunch of 1,500-meter runners kind of <laughs> on, a, on a football pitch. They're just, they're relentless. Yeah. So the fact we, able to, we were able to really completely nullify them to two, you know, two chances and we had our own chances on the break don't forget I think it was really really nice and it shows that Dean Smith um, I think has learned you know he's he, he it's not just the players that he's developing you know we've we, 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 speaking of Esri Konza you know the, the improvement that, that we've seen in him since we signed him from Brentford has been astounding and you've got to put that, that down to Dean and uh, John Terry and the rest of the coaching staff but also Dean is improving as a manager um, as he gets more Premier League experience, and so, I yes, we all love the the the, the flying attacking uh, verve of, of Aston of Aston Villa and Dean Smith, but we also like getting three points on the board, and we did that in style, you know. I think against Leeds, and it's it's part of the process, isn't it? I suppose you you have to um, win ugly, you have to earn the right to to play in this league, as 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 you as you say, and. Um, I, th- I think it's part of the, the 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 more points you you win, the higher you finish, and the better quality of player you can then bring in to to execute the kind of game plan that that you actually want to to put in place. I think there's there's little doubt um, as to the the type of football Dean Smith wants Villa to to play, and and that will run right throughout the club. But you have to get to a point where you can get those players and. To, to be able to do that successfully. Yeah. And that was one of the things about lockdown, obviously. You know, we, you mentioned lockdown earlier. That was the big turnaround. Dean Smith was like, okay, these lads are not good enough right now to play anything like how I want to play. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to try and keep clean sheets and uh, we're going to put Harahan on the set pieces. I'm going to try and nick one. And it's, you know, it's, it's Sean Dyche or, or, or Sam Allardyce football. But it's also effective and it kept us in the Premier League, let's not forget. So it has its merit and it has its place. And I think away at Leeds, um, you know, away at, at to Man United or away at uh, Man City, I think, you know, those are the places where that, that kind of pragmatism needs to come into play. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll, we'll go on to talking about another away game, although not, not, not quite as illustrious as uh, the teams you've just mentioned. Um Last night, Villa Villa travelled to Bramall Lane um, to take on the bottom of the league, Sheffield United. Um, and, I mean, it was expected that we would back the, the, the Leeds win up with, a, with another another win, hopefully a little bit more comfortable, you know, and, and 
you know cement this charge into the into the top six hopefully Smith picked the same team which I think was fair at the time under the, under the circumstances you know and the, the, the in truth the game started fairly even really um, no team really could could get control of it in the first few minutes um, although it was Villa that kind of started to 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 take control of the game and and, and created the best early chance when uh, John McGinn um, latched onto a, a Watkins header but couldn't quite steer his shot on target and it went past the post. Um, the big talking point um, followed not long after as, as Watkins made one of his um, very uh, Watkins-like burst into, into the penalty area um, only to be bundled over by a Sheffield United defender um, as, as, as Jagielka was probably com- coming across to challenge him. Amazingly, it didn't didn't even seem to go to VAR. It wasn't really considered a, a clear and obvious obvious error. Although um, I think a lot of um, from what I could tell on social media and, and even from the commentary, it seemed to um, you know look more like a penalty. If indeed it was it was in the penalty area, um, felt like Sheffield United had perhaps got away with one there. How did how did you see that particular incident? You know, I might be in the minority here, but, you know, I think there's always been, you know, at least when I was playing football at the very meagre level that I played, that uh, there's kind of a different threshold for fouls inside the box and outside the box. And I think that's one of those that, and I know that's not written into the laws of football, it was kind of like an unspoken understanding between players and officials, I feel like. So I feel like that's one that gets given if it's on the halfway line, but I don't think... Um, I'm not sure it was a it, it was a penalty. I think Watkins needs to be a bit stronger there. Um, the guy's you know he's gone the shoulder barged him maybe a little bit low, but I think put it this way: if 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 Konza's done that on their striker and Sheffield United get a penalty, I'd be furious. Yeah, I think I think that's that's part of the point that people were making. It was kind of a, a, a an old fashioned type of shoulder charge, really. Um, although, I mean, for me, he kind of came across him a bit. But it, it was also whether it was actually in the box, and it looked very close to um, to being outside the box, really. And possibly even if the ref had given it, they might have overturned it um, on VAR. So it just felt like one of those that maybe, like you said, if it had been at the other end, I think maybe it would have been given. But um, you know, that that's perhaps an, an Aston Villa bias and <laughs> coming out in 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 my my case I think if the if 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 you know we've seen softer penalties given you know particularly you know against Aston Villa you know I the Bruno Fernandez fouling Conza and getting a penalty for it still sticks in my craw uh, not to mention uh, Pogba uh, kicking the back of his own leg uh, in the reverse fixture uh, earlier this season so you know Villa have had their fair share of uh, soft penalty decisions given against them um, but I don't feel like this is one of them. And I also don't feel like this is a reason um, Aston Villa lost this game. I think we made more than enough uh, chances to uh, to to win the game. And, um, you know, I wouldn't use this penalty claim as an excuse. I, you know, I, I don't have any problem with, with the uh, with the decision on that one. No, I think I'd, 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 uh, I'd certainly agree that it wasn't it wasn't a reason um, that we didn't win the game. Like and for the reasons you you say, and obviously the main reason was 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 what happened shortly after when, just as you know, probably we were we were growing into the game really and looking to take control of it. Um, uh, 
the uh, the Sheffield United um, wing back Baldock um, put a sort of speculative shot come cross into the into the box, um, which seemed to bypass everyone and found um, a Goldrick at the back post completely unmarked on his own, um, whose shot went in off the underside of the of the bar past Martinez. I mean, it just looked like a, a whole defensive mess from Villa. Um, McGinn seemed to let McGoldrick run past him into the penalty area. I don't know where El Mohamedi was um, on that side either. I don't think you can necessarily blame the keeper or, or the or the or the centre backs, but it just looked like such a weak way to concede a goal. Um, it was a complete sort of kick in the guts at that at that point for for, for Villa. You know, from a Villa point of view, it's poor defending. But do you, do you think? It was also perhaps just a, a bit of good anticipation by the striker. No, <laughs> no, I do, <laughs> no, I do, no, I'm joking. I do. Um, I, I think, yeah, McGoldrick. First of all, credit to him. It doesn't seem like he can run, um, but he's he's you know he, he, his move. I was watching him. He was like a, a boulder trying to move around the the pitch, but he's got some neat touches. He, he sprayed out a lovely ball, switched the play, and you know he's done what all kids are coached to do he's followed it in now he's he has you know if you watch on the replay he has ran past Nakamba he's ran past McGinn as you correctly mentioned and then Elmo Elmo is 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 I don't know what Elmo's doing um I'm 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 not I mean McGinn I think I think I think there's no way you can see that goal if you if you if if you're defending properly you don't concede that goal. I think that's really an unacceptable goal to concede. And I think one of the things that's been a hallmark of this season is it's been you know we've had a much more robust defense, but the last three goals we've conceded, the Madison goal at Leicester, the the Harvey Barnes goal at Leicester and now this one. These are three of the softest goals that you will ever see. And um how on earth, Elmo? And, and this is this is this is this is probably going to get onto you know your your earlier conversation. We've all got a lot of not all of us. I don't want to speak for everyone. I'll speak for us because we've spoken about it. Me and you, Andy. We've got a lot of affection for that promotion-winning team. And Elmo was a part of that ten-game run. Elmo, um, you know, whipped in that ball for El Ghazi to get the opening goal. And I think most Villa fans would agree that Elmo has been a bargain and a you know a really top pro and all that good stuff. But I think yesterday kind of demonstrates that Elmo's, you know, speaking about players that might make the journey, I think Elmo's time is up. I think that um, the thing you see with Matty Cash, the big difference is his head is on a swivel. He's like a meerkat when he's on the pitch, Cash. He's always looking around left, right, looking around left, right. Um, And, you know, he's sniffing out, trying to sniff out danger. He's alert, you know. Uh, Matty Cash plays like it's his last game. He's ever going to play. Elmo, McGinn, Nakamba for that goal was strolling. They weren't aware because they thought Sheffield United um, didn't carry any threat. So they were complacent. And Elmo, I think, is letting it go out for a goal kick. He's had no idea that um, that uh, that uh, McGoldrick's there. And it's a really poor goal to concede. And I think you can really point the finger at Elmo and 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 McGinn. And, um, and as we know, once... Uh, once Villa go behind this season, that's pretty much curtains. It certainly is, and I think that was the feeling um, that we got instantly. Kind of knew that 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 we were going to have to 
find something a bit special to to, to claw our way back into that that game. Um, I, I, I'm I'm kind of kind of joining you in, in that Elmo um, op- opinion. Really, I think when when Gilbert left on loan, um, I was very um, much of the opinion that, that that was a good thing because. I've never rated him defensively. I know he he makes some some nice tackles, um, last ditch tackles often. Um, and, uh, he makes tackles because he's out of position. Well, that, I agree that, with you completely. That's abs- absolutely was 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 my opinion, and you know, nice going forward, and 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 um, you know, he's got a lot of pace about him and that sort of thing. But I just didn't feel he was he was the right kind of caliber for 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 the Premier League and where where we want to be at the moment. Um, I felt Elmo was a much more sort of steady and influence and good going forward. I was very disappointed with Elmo um, generally, not just for the goal. I felt that he was he was slow um, on the ball. He was he was checking back all the time. He was slowing just slowing the play down on that side generally. And and you know when you've got you know players that are. are, are you know, we're, we're trying to show a bit of desperation and trying to get get the ball, um, you know, into the penalty area late on. I just I just felt he was a he was a you know a, a, a bit of a sticking stick in the mud in the in the in the second half there for us. And I'm I'm wondering whether I've 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 judged it wrong. Maybe I have with with Gil, the Gilbert and Elmo debate really. Well, I mean, just to just to just to agree with you on Elmo, I think also maybe to not to defend him, but to Elmo hasn't played all season. He's thirty three or thirty four. Obviously, he's really close to the tail end of his career. He's played for ninety minutes, high intensity on a bad pitch, and done very well, by the way. You know, credit where it's due against Leeds, That's true. and um, so you know, credit where it's due. I'm not going to just hammer him. Um, you know, maybe that's a question of the management looking in and say, okay, this guy's, you know, can he play two games in three games? Sorry, can he play two games in three days, three, four days? And I think the evidence of yesterday, no, he cannot. So maybe, you know, whether you bring in Engels and stick Konza at right back or whether you bring in uh, the young lad, Kane uh, Hayden Kessler, um, you know, Elmo was was very poor yesterday. And one thing you do bank on Elmo, if, if nothing else, is he's got a lovely deep cross on him. He was he wasn't even doing that. The, the crosses, which we'll talk about, I'm sure in a minute, we'll, we'll, we're, we're coming from elsewhere. So Elmo was was you know, but you know, Elmo's at the end of the line. I think we all know that. But um, you know, I think that uh, probably the sooner Cash comes back, the better. And if and if not, maybe we give you know the younger youngster a try. As for Gilbert, which was your original question. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think Gilbert um, got a free pass because he's passionate and he's a rah-rah and he's all action. Um, but his slide tackling and his last-ditch tackling, for me, has been really the result of really desperately poor positional play. Um, the reason he has to do so many recovery tackles is because he's he has been almost constantly in the wrong place. Now, I have seen today that Gilbert, you know, he had an assist and he scored a good goal. And so obviously it doesn't look good. Um, and maybe it was a mistake. Maybe Gilbert should have stayed and, and um, you know, in case Cash got injured and, and, and Elmo should be, you know, third choice. But the, the bottom line is that um, wh- whatever happens, I don't think Elmo's going to be with us next season. So the question is, should he stay in the team anyway when we're kind of building towards the future? 
No, absolutely. And and the, I suppose there are a few a few things to consider and we'll get into the Wolves game in a bit. But um if I was um a Dharma Traore, I think I'd be um asking Nuno to switch me onto the, the left wing for, for for the game on Saturday because uh, I think Elmo might be there for the taking if he if he does play. Um but I mean the the, the, the Villa onslaught kind of con- continued uh second half with trying to get back in the game and there was a um uh you know a, a, an interesting decision that that went Villa's way in the second half as a result of VAR and the referee kind of almost overturning his own decision uh, on 55 minutes El Ghazi looked to break away um down the middle and and Jagielka as he does took him out um and the the it was judged to have been a, a goal scoring opportunity and and Jagielka was 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 shown the red card um at this point, I didn't know what to think because we're we're traditionally um, not great against ten men, and I just knew that this would be, you know, absolute sort of back to the wall time for Sheffield United, and they would be really really difficult to to, to break down. But you have to fancy yourselves against um, against ten men, so it seemed like a bit of a boost for Villa Villa's chances. But what did you make of the decision itself? The decision, I thought that the, I think the tackle was actually quite bad. Um, never mind him being the last man or otherwise. I think it was, you know, if there was an orange card, kind of, that was an orange card. It wasn't quite enough for a red, but he's absolutely cleaned him out full force, poor uh, El Ghazi. Who had a lovely touch, by the way, to to knock it through. Um, but um, I think it's it's really subjective. It's like, we don't know, do we? We don't know if the other defender would have got across. We don't know that um, El Ghazi doesn't, you know, I, I think I think you can argue either way, but I, from a Villa point of view, I was disappointed because I thought that um, we actually had a better chance eleven versus eleven. I wasn't thrilled uh, <laughs> that they sent him off because I thought it was going to hurt Villa, um, and it and it. I think it. I think it did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would have said that um, for all Jagielka's experience, um, he he's possibly a little bit of a target. Um, if you, you know, you, if you can get Watkins sort of um, pushed up against him, you, you you can you can turn him round quite quite easily. And I think once he went off, it really focused their minds on just just like like they say, two banks of four, and and really defending deep and and and, and just getting their head and, and and foot on everything really, which is what which is what they did. And I tend to, tend to agree. I wasn't overly delighted with the with the red card, but. You know, when you're playing the the bottom of the league and they're they're down to ten men, you expect to, um, you know, to to maybe then be able to get something from the game. And Villa had a few a few chances. They they made some changes. They brought on Barkley and Sanson fairly quickly. Well, not fairly quick. It was about ten minutes afterwards. Um, Watkins had a superb header, which um, which flicked off the off the crossbar. And also Traore and and Conser both had had really kind of guilt edged chances really. Um, then also Davis came on as the sort of last throw of the dice, which um, is is unusual. I don't think usually Dean Smith trusts him to be able to to, to find the net in these circumstances. And 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 again, he he didn't do that. Um, so all in all, it was a an, another frustrating game for Villa. Um, 
really good chance to, to to close that gap on the European places. I mean, what what do you think? Do you think that kind of dream has, has sailed now, or um, do you think we should just be focusing on finishing sort of top half or as high as we can? Now? Um, no, um, I don't think the dream the dream is over. I think that. Um, Teams, are, are, you know, this season has been absolutely bonkers. Obviously, home and away advantage, as Dean Smith, I think, talks about every week, has kind of disappeared. Um, Sheffield United obviously beat us, but they've also beaten Man United. Um, you know, Newcastle pop up with a result you don't expect. Brighton sometimes pop up with, a, you know, people are losing games they shouldn't be losing. So it's, it's certainly not over because we've got the points on the board and still got a game in hand on lots of our rivals. And, um, you know, with Jack Grealish to come back, you, 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 certainly can't write off Villa putting another little run together towards the end of the season but um, I think we do have to and I include myself in this we really have to um, calm down a little bit with our reactions because I was furious <laughs> yesterday I had to go for a walk and uh, you know I'm glad we're doing this no, I'm, I'm really glad we're doing this podcast a day later because you know sometimes you're so passionate and you're so in it it's um, you're not reasonable about it, but I tell you where I did get annoyed. You mentioned the substitutions, this and and Sheffield United going down to ten men. This is where I did get irritated. I wasn't. I was kind of irritated with the goal, but it happened early enough. You know, second half. Obviously, we've um, we've hit the bar, and I'm thinking, okay, we're, we're going to get at least get an equaliser here. And uh, Phil Jagielka sent off with. At least thirty minutes to go, there, there or thereabouts. Oh, fifty-five minutes. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there is plenty of time, plenty of time. And what I cannot understand, and maybe you can explain it to me, Andy, because this has annoyed me for twenty-four hours now. Why, in goodness, were we launching Steve Bruce-style diagonals, Sam Allardyce-style diagonals, pumping it into the big man who we don't have? I was thinking, I was looking for, I was like, is Rudiger's dead? Come back, is he, is he in there? Is, uh, is Prime Benteke in there? I was like, who are we pumping these balls to? I couldn't believe it. I was like, we don't play like this. What, what was going on? Yeah. Well, it, it, it's felt to me like just, just sheer desperation. Um, it felt like we lost, we lost the plot. We forgot who we, who we were and who, the type of team we we've become over the last um, couple of years, and it did feel like that. It was going at and and crossing from from really difficult angles. I mean, even if you find Ollie Watkins with with one of those crosses from 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 you know nowhere near the touchline, it's a hell of a job to 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 score to beat Randolph from there. And and to be honest, those crosses. I mean, Randolph was just was just come in and, I mean, we made him look like Buffon. You know, he he was claiming everything. He was he was loving it. He had the game of his life. And then he pulled off a, a really good save from from Conser. I agree. I think they were all loving it. I think if, if Sheffield United or Chris Wilder, you know, they're, you know, they're begging, they're praying, they're saying, please, please, Villa, just keep launching it into the box. This is you know bread and butter for us. Uh, this you know we we love this we could deal with this all day there was um and and we don't have the, we, the and the thing that really annoyed annoyed me is we do not have the personnel to play that way there is no one maybe aside from Courtney Horse or Tyrone Mings who is kind of elite level in the air 
that you can expect to win most things. We haven't got a Chris Wood in there. We haven't got a, uh, you know, a Benteke in there. We haven't, well, or not, not a 2021 Benteke, you know, a 2016 <laughs> Benteke. We haven't, we don't have a single one of those players. What we do have is little technical players like, uh, 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 you know, Davis is really good on the deck. Watkins is really good on the deck. Sanson, you've got Ross Barkley. We've got uh, El Ghazi. Target is really good with little one-twos. Why were we not playing little intricate one-twos, getting little triangles? We've got an extra man so we can create overloads, you know, and do what Man City do, as you mentioned. Try and get to the byline and then you put one on the plate for the, for the you know, midfielder arriving late in the box. I mean, Man City do it, you know, to, to a T. Now, obviously, I'm not expecting Aston Villa to go and create goals like Man City. But with an extra man and with the personnel we have on the pitch... We have the technical players there to create triangles, to create overloads and to get to the byline and at least cross from there. And we did it maybe twice. I think there was one where Barkley put one in to Davis. Davis turned it out to Watkins. Watkins got to the byline and they kind of slid in and cleared. And, you know, we could have been doing that for the last 35 minutes of the game. We had the players we had, and we had the time. But we're launching Steve Bruce, Sam Allardyce balls long diagonals and we just don't have the personnel for it and i'm getting wound up now even talking about it because <laughs> it's taking me but i just don't understand we just we, we never do it as you say maybe maybe that was it maybe they panicked maybe it was they just got desperate but we had time it wasn't like it was three minutes to go there's 35 minutes on the clock with them we can take our time there yeah and, and i think i think something that's been leveled at smith um for, for a long time really is 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 his um reluctance to make substitutions and I, I think when probably around the time of the sending off I think Barkley was was getting ready to come on um, but then once Jagelka was sent off it was kind of then another 10 minutes or so before Barkley and, and Sanson actually came on so it's almost that kind of decision making and, and sometimes it's just rolling the dice and saying we need to change this up we need we need a little bit of guile in there. We need a little bit of something different. You know, let, let's let's change it up and and you know and all right, you live or die by those decisions. But we were one nil down and and you know, no one's going to blame someone for bringing on um, a player like Barkley when you're one nil down and you you need a goal. So yeah, it it was there were some infuriating elements, but I think. We can talk, and we we can talk about tactics. But I think I think ultimately, I think that in the last, certainly in the last ten or fifteen minutes, I think the players lost their heads, and um, and 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 yeah, they went they went like you say a bit old school, and and started chucking it in the mixer, and we didn't have anyone like you say anyone there to to really take advantage of that. And um, and this goes back to probably our earlier conversation about um, John McGinn. Not that I'm singling him out, but John McGinn, Ross Barkley, you know, Al Ghazi we've spoken about today. Uh, Elmo is supposed to be a senior leader there on the pitch, even if he isn't physically there. You know, rumour has it that he's a, you know, a big voice in the changing room. Uh, Mings obviously is 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 captain. You know, without. The, the, I'm not even going to use Jack Grealish. I don't think we've spoken about Jack Grealish at all, which is which is which is interesting. But I'm not going to use Jack Grealish as an ex, Jack Grealish as an excuse as to why we lost that game. We had the players and personnel on there to create Traore as well. I didn't even mention 
to pick those guys apart and at least at least get an equaliser. And we had the chances to do that. So, you know, it it is it is disappointing, but I think that we have to um we have to ask questions about the players on the pitch and the leadership. Why is no one taking charge there and saying, lads, we haven't got Rudy Gested in there. Stop pumping diagonals in. We've got 10 minutes left. We just need, you know, just take your time. Wait for the opening. Wait. And there's no fans either. I sometimes, you know, Villa have been guilty of rushing because the fans can get boisterous and they start booing you if you're passing it around, you know, trying to be patient. There's not even that excuse. There's no fans on your back. There's no one there. You've got all the time in the world. 35 minutes you've got to unlock this defence. Stop pumping long diagonals into the big striker that we do not have. Let's get it on the deck. Do what we're good at. And at least if we can't get a goal, let's at least fail, you know, doing the thing that we are good at. Yeah. Rather than failing yeah. at something no, we're not th- good at anyway. Absolutely. And I think I think that's something that, that maybe maybe they've got to learn. But I'm I'm convinced that just sheer desperation in that situation set in and they could almost see the um the headlines, they could see the uh the, the you know the, the the mentions they were perhaps going to going to wake up to on Twitter and that sort of thing and you know maybe it got to them a little bit and they felt like they had to had to force the issue um, but like you say unless you're gonna unless you're gonna unless you've got the tools up there to to make something of that type of play you you've, it's 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 really sort of pointless doing it um, I mean I tend what you said about the the, the dream being over I, I I tend to agree and I think it, it is a topsy-turvy league. Um, and I think but I've always said I think at the start of the season I said that I would take 12th and I'll obviously revise that up a little bit because of how things have gone but I think I think if you gave me 10th now I'd I'd probably take it and I don't know if that's me just being a, a little bit pessimistic but um, maybe 7th or 8th is still possible I uh, my I'm looking at 8th place and and part of the reason of that is I don't think we've played well. Uh, not played well, maybe that's a too broad a statement. I don't think we've played to our full potential post-COVID in any game other than the first 45 minutes against Burnley. Um, I don't think we've been anything like as good. And I think that uh, Dean Smith's teams always tend to finish strong. I think we're going to have a rested and rejuvenated Jack Grealish coming back. We've got a rested and rejuvenated Matty Cash coming back. And I think we've got uh, maybe even a Brazilian centre forward <laughs> coming back in the coming yes, weeks. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So I do yeah. think that there, um, you know, the fact that we've maintained a reasonable league position despite really not playing that well post COVID um, says that if we get our best players back and if we get them back into form, that we can we can you know finish really strongly and maybe you know maybe you know maintain our you know our maybe squeak squeak a Europa League place maybe yeah and um, certainly none of us would would turn that down it'd certainly be an interesting summer if they had to bulk up the squad for a a Europa League um, campaign (laughs) as well as as well as hopefully progressing in the Premier League but um, we'll leave that to the to the uh, (laughs) perhaps leave that discussion till the summer when we know we know what we're doing um, there was another sort of positive piece of club club news this week, as highly rated 
19-year-old winger Jaden Philongini Bidais uh, signed a new long-term contract. I might have murdered his surname there, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it's been reported that he was sort of heavily tracked by um, a number of big clubs across Europe um, and in the Premier League, um, and it looked like he would he'd possibly leave leave for next to nothing at the end of the season. Um, to me, this just feels like another sort of huge coup for the um, for the Villa Academy and Mark Harrison, who runs it, um, and being able to t- tie down all these, you know, really highly rated youngsters. Um, now, clearly, the the proof of, of of any academy is how many how many players actually make it and how many players um, either either get into the first team or, or make you a big transfer fee when they leave. Um, but you know what? What have you made of this uh, this sort of transformation in the academy um, since uh, Sawiris and, and Edens took took over the club? I think this is one of the most exciting things actually going on with Aston Villa, and this is one of the you know if you're a Villa fan now, um, you particularly one of you know some of the younger lads uh, and ladesses that are Villa fans that have never really seen the glory is I think some of the most exciting stuff that we have is coming through the academy. And I think that um, this probably ties in a little bit to your your previous question, if I can circle back about the, you know, the the credible top half finish. I do think that if Europe is off the table in, you know, let's say, let's say beginning of April, that the, um, the the Europa League is off the table, obviously we're not getting relegated, you know, that's not a problem. That is when I would love to see Louis Barry, uh, Philogene Bidance, Kessler, uh, uh, I, Chukin, Chuk, Chukamati? Chukwameka. 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 <laughs> I would, if there's nothing to play for, I would love to see some of those young lads get get a chance, you know, um, towards the end of the season if we're if we're just you know safe in mid table. I just think it's really incredibly exciting um, that Villa have got these fantastic prospects, but that's what they are, you know, prospects. You know, to speak to your question, it, the the big thing that I found interesting, which was a red flag for lots of fans, was I think when Perslow first came in, you know, he was saying. Um, you know, he was kind of singling out players like uh, Callum O'Hare uh, without naming them by saying, look, if you're 20 years old, 22 years old, playing in our under-23s, you've failed kind of thing. And lots of Villa fans got very upset about that. Well, what about O'Hare? You know, he's the next Jack Grealish, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, that wasn't the case. But, you know, it's been borne out. You know, Perslow, I think, deserves a lot of credit there because he has done exactly what he said he's going to do. We have one of the youngest under-23 squads now. And they're competitive, you know, they're very good and they're playing against older players and they're developing at a ferocious speed. So we've already seen um, Jacob Ramsey come into the first team and, um, you know, he's holding his own. Aaron Ramsey and the others are, are coming up behind them. So I just think it's an incredibly important time to be, uh, uh, to, to, uh, exciting time to be a Villa fan. But the truth is, probably not all of them are going to make it to the first team. And that's kind of okay. Um because I think what Chelsea have shown is that they have a conveyor belt of talent which they sell off, you know, kind of with the Chelsea logo on them. And they make fortunes from selling off some of their players. So I think even if some of the players aren't good enough, I think the fact that we've lost players like Sarkic, Green, O'Hare, um, that's just three off the top of my head, all for free. I mean, that's five million right there. No, you absolutely. Know. And that, that, that that's another 
sort of element of the club. And I mean, Perslow having having been involved sort of very heavily at Chelsea, I think we'll um, we'll we'll want that to be the case. It's almost like an extra sort of bolt on business, isn't it? To the to to the to the main club, you have this academy that just churns out talent, and obviously you can cherry pick the the better ones um, that come through that, but. If 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 the quality is of, of a high enough standard, those those other players will find find employment at other clubs and be and be be quite valuable in terms of transfer fees and. You yeah, know, and you like can say, even do, you can even do. Sorry, um, what um, Man City did as well. You know, you can insert a buyback clause. Let's say that um, Callum O'Hare is a good example because he's you know he's playing in the Championship. He's doing reasonably well. Let's say that Villa had put a two-year, had sold him rather than released him on a free, put a two-year uh, buyback in. You know, if Callum O'Hare develops and starts tearing up the championship and is a viable player, uh, I don't think he's going to be, by the way. I'm just making an example. Yeah. You know, you buy him back, you sell him for two billion, buy him back for five billion, and 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 you've got the player. Uh, you know, because players, you know, get ready at different times. Some players peak at 23, 24. Some players peak at 31, 32. So. I, but overall, I'm really delighted with the academy. You know, the the the, the regeneration they've done at Bodymore Heath to make a little stadium there, um, so you know Villa fans can go down and watch the um, younger teams when everything opens up again. I think this is, you know, uh, you know NSWE. I think they've just been fantastic owners, and um, and this is one of the most exciting things they've done for us. I think. No, I agree. I agree with that, and it's almost frustrating that it's going to be two or three years or four years maybe that till we we start seeing the fruits of, of this but certainly you know we, we we saw the um the Liverpool game um where the young lads played and I mean yeah okay it was it, it was um a bit a, a bit of a beating in the end but certainly not as bad as it could have been and and when you see you know someone like uh Louis Barry um being able to to do what he did that night was um, was incredibly encouraging and and kind of may, makes you very excited about the next three or four years at the club. Yeah, I think that might be um, my moment of the season. I think that's the one that's just just the the improbability. The world champions. He's a, a young seventeen year old kid, Villa fan, coming from Barcelona, and he and and it wasn't just a. You know, this hasn't just bouncing off his backside. You know, it's a it's a great run and 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 beautiful curled finish and and you know it's we've had a lot of I don't want to get carried away because we've had a lot of false dawns. You know, I'm old enough to remember when Darren Byfield was going to be the next big thing. Uh, then we had Vassal coming up behind him, and then we had uh, Dilafonso never made it. The Moore brothers who never really made it for us, and you know we've had a lot of, of false. You know, Callum O'Hare. You know, Andre Green. You know, uh, Gary Gardner at one point was going to be the the next big thing. We've had so many false dawns, and even Jack Grealish. It took him a long time to really fulfil his potential. So I'm not going to get carried away with the Louis Barrys and 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 Philogene Bedances of this world, but. Um, it's really exciting to have them, and it seems like, um, you know, with the management the club has overall, they're in the best place to develop, and um, hopefully they can be assets and stars of the future for the first team. No, definitely. So we'll we'll, we'll certainly uh, be following their progress, and and you never know, we might we might see a couple of them later on, as you say, um, making roads into the first team. Hopefully. So Saturday, we head into the. Um, 
the it's the localish derby, the 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 um, Birmingham Black Country derby against Wolves. I know people won't like me calling it a derby, but it kind of is at the moment. Uh, in, in in as there's no others. Um, Villa triumphed at Molyneux in the in the in the last fixture um, between the two teams with a, another Al Ghazi goal uh, from the penalty spot. I mean, going into this, um, you know, do you expect any any changes? I mean, do you see Jack Grealish perhaps being ready for this one, or you know, w- will 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 Dean Smith kind of twist again? Do you think and 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 you know and make sort of more of these horses for courses changes? Well, I think that we've all uh, heard this song before with Dean Smith and Jack Grealish and a mysterious shit injury. (laughs) We all remember from the championship, uh, uh, you know, obviously it's all cloak and dagger stuff. I don't know why they do that. um, But I uh, personally have just decided that we're not going to see Grealish until after the international break, (laughs) just for my own sanity. And if we see him before, I'll obviously be delighted. But um, I think that Wolves... Wolves are a tough one, you know. I think the loss of Jimenez has really impacted them. Um, and Jimenez, by the way, what a class act he is as a striker. He is, I think, one of my favourite strikers in the Premier League. Love Jimenez and really pleased he's making a recovery from a terrible head injury. Um, but um, without Jimenez, Wolves are just not the same beast. So I watched the game against Man City and... Um, you know, Wolves were really pulled from pillar to post. I mean, it was 1-1, I think, going into the 80th minute, but that really, um, I think that really flattered uh, Wolves and, um, and uh, you know, they, they duly got uh, put to the sword by Man City in the, in the final few minutes. But it's hard to judge a team against Man City. I think it'll be another cagey affair, you know, probably one goal or win it, same as the, uh, the, the earlier fixture. And... Um, it's just going to be, you know, one of those. I wouldn't be all su- at all surprised to see a nil-nil draw actually for this one. No, absolutely, and I, th- I think um, I-, I agree with what you say about Jack Grealish. I think it's always kind of maybe next meet- week, maybe next week, you know. And we, like we say, we've 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 had this um, before, and yeah, whatever the reason is for it, I don't know, but that's the way they they like to they like to do it with with Jack Grealish. Hopefully, you never know. We might see pictures of him uh, emerge tomorrow of him on the training ground, and and all will be well with the world. But uh, <laughs> I somehow I somehow doubt it. I, I personally think they, they he will make a couple of changes. I think Douglas Louise will come back in to the team, possibly in, in maybe even in place of John McGinn, um, and maybe um, maybe bold call that is Andy. Bold call. Yeah, I know. I know. I think <laughs> I'd, I'd quite like to see um, Nakamba and. And Louise sort of holding the midfield for us, um, and maybe that that might allow sort of um, Barkley to, to have a bit more space if he comes back into the side as well. So we'll see. We'll so would see. you would you play Barkley or would you leave uh, Ramsey in there or would you play Sanson kind of as the? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting to see Sanson. I'm you know, I, I'm not sure whether he's that type of uh, sort of forward player. Maybe play him as a if that you. Played with with two eights maybe alongside McGinn maybe I I I I don't know I personally I I would kind of like to see Barkley back in because I think albeit against Sheffield United he was slightly 
ineffective. I think he was he was busy, and I think he was he was getting around the place and trying to make things happen. And that's what you want to see from from your big players like like him. And he's he's got enough ability to turn a game. So um, I would I would bring him back in, um, and I'd bring Louise back in, and I'd probably change the right back and and, and give Hayden a Hayden a start. That would be my my personal opinions. Um, but like we do at the end of all these podcasts, we like to keep it short and sweet and have a have a quick score prediction. So Aston Villa versus Wolves at, at Villa Park. Um, what are you saying? I think 0-0 nil, nil or 1-0 um, either way. But I'm going to say um, same score as last time. Uh, Villa with a late goal, 1-0. Uh, 1-0 to Villa. Okay. And I'm going to go for 2-1 Villa. I think... Um, we're going to go behind, and I think it's going to be the first time we 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 claw one back and and take the three points. Um, but that's you know I'd just love to see that, and I think that would make <laughs> me a very happy man on a Saturday night. Me too. So um, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on the podcast today, and hopefully there'll be well, I'm I'm, sh- I'm definite there'll be many more to come and uh, I look forward to, to, to having many more chats with you and hopefully towards the end of the season and things will as you've predicted pick up and we'll go on a go on a nice run and it'll be it'll be lovely coming on talking every week so thanks thanks so much for for joining me today Craig my pleasure thanks for having me no problem and if you're listening obviously um you can follow under a gaslit lamp on all, all the major sort of social network sites Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Um, head over to underagaslitlamp.com for um, all the all the written content. There's some great stuff. We've got some great writers and uh, I'd say they're, they're in pretty good good form at the minute. And we cover, obviously, the, the first team, but we cover the, the, the under-23s and um, heavily cover the, the women's team as well, which is probably sets us apart slightly from, from other blog sites. Um yeah, so on to Wolves. Hopefully, a good result. Hopefully, we're we're back here next week talking about a, a a win in the derby. And for now, stay safe and up the villa. <laughs>